0: So I am glad that Jeff said, you know, if you need a chair, you can grab one. Uh, I was sitting on these seats. Now, we were having a conversation, the we as a a group of pastors, and the conversation was something like this that, uh, and I don't remember the details. I'm going to give you just real broad generalities that our American culture reads somewhere at an average of a fifth grade level. And uh, that our our thought process, the way we think things through and just the kind of way we operate, is at a middle school level. Now, if you're above that, don't, don't be offended that I say that, and I'm sure most of you are. I'm just saying this is the conversation that, that we have to realize in, in our culture this is the way we have to work. So I'm thinking, okay, I can, I can handle that. I'm, I'm probably at that level. I'm You know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, that works. However, the problem is when I sat on this seat, my backside is not at a fifth grade level. <laughs> there was something that just didn't fit right. So, uh, so I was glad that Jeff gave you that option. But uh, I do like being around the tables. That was very enjoyable to uh, share the Lord's table together, to pray together. So I love the idea. And uh, as we take now the scripture passage that you read, we want to dive into it just a little bit deeper. And uh, let me tell you, I had you read the long section. I realize it's a little bit longer passage of Scripture because I want you to see this great, really, mountaintop. Uh, You know, the highlight for the disciples is, who do people say that I am? And and Peter comes up with the right answer. Don't you like that When when you come up with the right answer? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then before you know it, Peter is saying the totally wrong thing. And Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. It's like, whoa, thanks for calling me names, Jesus. And uh, so we go from this high point to this low point. And uh, what we want to do in the series that you're in is we want to learn how to say yes to God from people who say no. And so I was thinking about this say yes. And I would suggest to you that this whole Lesson we can learn from Peter is that we need to say yes to the cross of Jesus Christ. So say yes to the cross. Now, I don't know if your brain works like mine. I've already told you, you know, that I probably fit that fifth, sixth, seventh grade level. But uh, when when something is said, it clicks, uh, you know, uh, uh, words from a song, uh, titles of a movie, uh, famous quotes, whatever. And so say yes to the cross. So, does that remind you of anything? say yes to the dress. And uh, so, so I thought, okay, I have never watched that show. I've got to go see what it's all about. And, uh, and I actually watched episode one, season one, because I wanted to see what this was about. Now, let me tell you, from my point of view, it was not worth the time. <laughs> but if you like it, I'm not saying anything, because for me, If you're you're a fan of Count's Customs, you know, car guys, I'm not a car guy, but I love cars. Now, it's the same difference. You start out with a dream, with an idea, you get to it, and it has all kinds of problems, and they have 23 minutes to figure out all the problems so that at the end, it comes out with this perfect dress, beautiful bride, or wonderful muscle car that's been totally redesigned. So it's all the same concept. And so that's, that's the issue here. Now, let me tell you about Say Yes to the Dress. Here's what they say. Now, it's in its like 13th or 14th season. So it says this is a new series. Well, it's been around for a while. That brings the viewer into the inner workings of the world's premier bridal salon, Kleinfeld Bridal. Part fashion show, part bridal story, part family therapy. We uncover the hurdles every staff member faces to make each bride completely satisfied on what may be the single most important day of their lives. Watch as a team of specialists guide brides through the process of selecting, fitting, altering, and delivering each flawless dress in time for the perfect day. It's not a stress-free endeavor, but somehow, by the final fitting, Kleinfeld pulls all of the details together. Ultimately, this series is more than a simple story about a woman searching for the perfect dress, whatever the price. It's about the stories behind the story, the people, the personalities, the craftsmanship, the fine attention to detail, and the links to which staff members will go in order to make every girl that walks through the door enter a new stage of life with confidence and joy. Now, men, just a little secret, sometime today say, honey, that inspired me. Let's sit down and watch Say Yes to the Dress together. Yeah, I, I, shaking heads, no way. <laughs> that's all right. I already told you my opinion of it. But here's why I like these shows. Uh, you, pick the, you pick the content, you pick the material. Is We start out with this great concept, this dream. And I don't know about you, but I'm a dreamer. I love to dream. And then you say, you know, that's worth pursuing. And you can imagine what the end will be like. But the journey in between, whoa. And that's what Peter had to learn. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. However, for us to enjoy and to realize the magnificence of that lofty statement, Jesus had to go to the cross, and he invites us to go there too. So that's what we want to take a look at this morning as we look into the text. Now, I do want to do this. As we come to this passage of scripture, it begs the question so i 'm adding kind of a, a freebie here for you, maybe because i 'm intrigued with you, you say, "Okay, Mark, never mind, move on, but it intrigues me, so i wanna, I want to uh, ask this question: How can a guy like Peter? and we know you know everybody talks about Peter, how he hurries into things, and you know he he aims, I mean, he shoots and then aims, you know, we, we know that. But you got to love Peter. How can a guy like Peter be so right and so wrong in such a short amount of time? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but you ever been that way? You know, you, you do, you give the right answer in class, you think, I'm feeling pretty good. And then the teacher asks the next question, oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's like you're way off. I mean, you totally miss it. Okay, I'm going to go back to being silent and just goofing off here. Uh, it, it happens because we're not perfect people and, and it, it just, that's the way it goes sometimes. Peter listened to the Holy Spirit on one occasion and then all of a sudden Satan's running the show. So here's the question. How do we know when an idea is from God or not from God? That's the question. And since we're at the, you know, in the table format, I want you to talk for a minute. How do we know whether an idea is from God or not from God? Now, let me give you a quick example. I could say, you know, I believe that God wants everybody here over the age of 16 to have a brand new car this week. Sounds good, right? So, that, that could be, I mean, that could be possible. It would certainly be a wonderful dream. But is that from God? I mean, it would have to be because I'm sure not going to be able to afford to give everybody a, a new car. And, 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 you know, that's kind of, well, you say, Mark, that's crazy. But, uh, you know, how do I know whether I am supposed to go do fill-in-the-blank this week? Is that God the Spirit leading me? Or is it something else, maybe even the evil one? So you talk at your table for just a just a, a short time let 's talk about that. How do you know? Now, let me also ask you the question, and, and we don 't have time or ability to uh, you know if, if we if we had the ability, I would ask you to tell me about it, uh, but i 'm going to frustrate you a little bit. Have you ever had a time, or it could be multiple times? where you, you just knew this is the right thing to do, and you jumped in all, you know, 110%, and you went forward, and you had the peace of God, and you knew it was right. I mean, I know all of us have done the mess-up things. We could, we could tell those stories, but I would say there, there's a few times, it's not often, sometimes it seems like God's a little bit silent, but there are those few times in life where you just say, that was God. There is no doubt in my mind. And so you can see on the, on, the, on the PowerPoint three necessary confirmations to know God's leading. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. Now, I did do one mistake. If I was going to go back and redo my PowerPoint this morning, I would need to invert the, the triangle a little bit. At the top is the Word of God and the Spirit of God because they are perfect. We never have to doubt Is the Word of God telling me truth? It always tells us truth. We never have to doubt, is the Spirit of God telling me truth? It always tells us truth. Now, the people of God, we are in process, and we're not quite perfect. But it is amazing how God, through the Word and through His Spirit, uses many times the people of God to confirm, in fact, the body of Christ is that final testing ground. And we need to learn to trust one another, and we should trust one another. To help us to take the Word of God and the leading of the Spirit of God and to bring it to a confirmation point in the, in the body of Christ. So that's why, you know, uh, Dave and Jeff, they're, they're almost perfect. I mean, I mean, they are right up there. And, and the elders, uh, you know, Bob Stover, the elders, and Jeff, they... They're, they're just a little bit, they're not quite as good as Dave and Jeff, but I mean, they're, they're almost there. But then when the, when the body of Christ says, yeah, our elders, our pastors, they're, they're leading us in what the Spirit of God and what the Word of God is telling us to do, and you say, we're on target. Let's go. Let's go. So that's a freebie for you because this begs the question, how can you be Peter one moment where Jesus said, You did not learn this on your own. This is revealed to you by the Spirit of God. And then we turn around and say, Satan, get out of here. Man, Peter, you blew it. So here we go. Let's talk about what we need to say no to. I see Peter's failure. You, You read it there. Simply put, taking a look at that text, Uh, Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter responded to him. He began to rebuke him. No, Lord, you can't do it. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Well, Peter said no at the wrong time. He made the mistake. He made the error as all of us have done. So We need to say no to short-sighted thinking. Number one, we need to learn from Peter not to be short-sighted in our thinking. Now, let me be fair to Peter. I already told you we like him and, you know, we, we pick on him. But let me be fair to him. It took a revelation from God for him to realize that this is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it took a revelation from Jesus to understand something that was totally foreign to the Jewish mind, and totally foreign to all of us. Um, We'll we'll brag on Boone, I went with my son and his friends, Boone baseball, got into the state tournament, we sat, what, six, seven hours, Tuesday night at Principal Park, waiting for the weather to change, and it didn't, so we came back Wednesday morning, they won, but then Friday they lost. And so you say, you know, hey, we made it, we were in the final four, you know, this, and it is, that's, that's awesome. But they're still, they're just a little bit of pain. They're just a little bit of, you know, we do not like that agony. That and, and so for Peter and the disciples, if you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, you are our deliverer. Rise up, Jesus. Conquer the Romans. Set your people free. But the problem with that is, is if Jesus did that, then none of us would be able to reign with him. He had to go to the cross. And so often we are short-sighted in our thinking. We say, God, why? Why are these, you know, the, 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 the age-old question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, God, are you allowing me to suffer? And there are several answers to that that I don't have time in the, or the, the smarts to give you all the answers. But may I suggest to you that in the providence and wisdom of God... As he invites us to the cross, he is taking us on a journey that to us looks like it's painful and suffering and agony, but ultimately it is producing the fruit of righteousness. So we need to not be short-sighted in our thinking. We need to say no to sedition. I, I, I just had to throw in a, a fun word. Uh, sedition means to incite to rebellion and that's what Peter did that's, that's what the, the, the disciples and the Jewish people wanted they were looking for that person to rise up and rebel against Rome don't you love a good rebellion well that doesn't sound real Christian but I mean there is something I mean from, from superheroes uh, we went to see Ant-Man and I thought this is going to be really yeah because there's that rebellion, you know, of the, of the guy who doesn't seem like a hero becomes a hero to uh, the stories of revolution, whether our own nation or, or throughout the uh, centuries, the stories we read. However, however, there is a problem in the human heart. It is a problem of rebellion against God. And the reason that sometimes we feel like we are so far and so alienated from God and that he's silent is because we have somehow embraced this heart of rebellion. That age-old sin problem that says, God, I don't want to listen to you. I want to do it my way. I have a problem. I'll ask if you can solve it for me. You can, you know, send me your opinions, or I should give you my number. Text it to me, 231-5504. You can text me any answers you want. But uh, my Texas Tenors CD, I was laughing, you know. You don't even do CDs anymore, but I still have CDs in in my car. So I've been listening to the Texas Tenors, and one of them is the great Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way. I can't decide whether to like that song or not. <laughs> I, I I like it. I mean, it's a good song, you know, and it, it, I like the melody of it. It gets in your brain and works. But every time I listen to it, I feel like, you know, that's just the people saying to God, I did it my way. I'm not going to listen to you, God. I stand on my own and did it my way. I don't know. You tell me. Maybe I'm off on that. But... That is a problem that we have to have. We have to say no to it. We have to submit ourselves, humble ourselves to the rule and reign of God in our hearts. Third, not only do we need to say no to to short-sighted thinking, to sedition, but we need to say no to Satan. Um, It is fascinating to me that Jesus would say, get behind me, Satan. Satan. And one of the reasons he did that is, and these are people that are smarter than me suggest this, I say, you know, they're right. Is when Jesus heard Peter, no, Lord, you can't do it. No way, that's not going to happen to you. It took Jesus way back to the desert and to the temptations when Satan said, cast yourself down and the angels will pick you up and turn these stones into bread. Jesus knew very much what it was to have the lies of Satan thrown in his face. And he knew to do exactly what we must do. We must say no. And can I remind you, because Satan is, uh, he's a smart dude, and sometimes it's, it's not Satan per se. You know, uh, we could have this discussion well, was that, was that a, a, a demonic influence? Was that Satan himself? I mean, there are times in your life where you feel like you are facing the devil himself. I'm not going to deny that. But I want to remind you that Satan is the ruler of this evil and God-rebelling world. And he loves to take God's truth and twist it just a tiny bit to fool us. You remember that's what he did to Eve and to Adam. Did not God say? And if you go back and read the text, Satan didn't say what God said. Satan twisted it just a little bit. And so we've got to learn to really be wise and to listen well. But to say no to Satan... Just close the door. Satan, we're not going to entertain your, your foolishness here. And we need to say, say no to this uh, evil that influences our world so much. Finally, we need to say no to self. There is no doubt that each of us are, are very good at being selfish. And, and making self the king. Uh, that, that again is, is an issue in this world. Um, it just, it, it's just the way it is. We are always looking out for number one. Whether it's our little children, whether it's us as adults, we are so easily captivated by I'm taking care of self, taking care of me. And we need to say no to that. We need to say that that is unacceptable. We are so absorbed with the things of this world we are so consumed by life here and now and how it affects us that we just so easily slip into this world of selfishness. So that's the no part. Peter got caught. There's no doubt about it. He got caught, and God, the Lord Jesus, had to set him right. And I want to remind you what Jesus said in verse 23. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It's good for us to do a a, a self-check every so often. Am I consumed by the things of man, the things of this world, or am I focusing on the things of God? Now, some people say, well, you know, I got to pay my light bill. I got to pay my mortgage. We're not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this self-centered, egotistical, um, destructiveness that happens in our world. You know, uh, when you listen to the news or you go to work and you listen to people and you say, how did this world get so messed up? Now, there's lots of good things. I don't, I don't want to sound like Mr. Pessimist. I can be. There are lots of good things. I mean, let's face it. We have a good life. And there are so many things that we can enjoy. What I'm saying is that as you listen, and there are those times, that if you're like me, you just say, there is no way to explain that. You cannot explain why people think the way they do and why things happen like they happen. You cannot explain it apart from the fact that evil rules in this world and we get stuck on the things of man, the things of this world, and we totally cut off the things of God. So what do we say yes to? Let's take a look at that. So I created a word here. I don't know that I'm original. Maybe somebody else did. But instead of fellowship, we want to talk about fellowship. Getting on board with Jesus and following him and saying, Yes, Lord Jesus, I will and I am following you. So this is Jesus' fellowship. We need to say yes to hardship. I already talked about those tough times that come in our life. Uh, there are those times where life is difficult. And we are challenged by Jesus. Verse 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Now, here's one other thing that I want to highlight for you that you probably know, but um, at least Warren Wiersbe said, you know, he was talking to a person once and they said, well, yeah, this idea of suffering, you know, uh, I mean, I had to, oh, I don't know. What are are your complaints? You know, my back is bugging me again. Um, You want to talk about suffering, you know, the dream, the ideal, the, the idea and, you know, picturing the perfect thing. We have had, uh, Eli is the beneficiary of this, although I I have to go home today and still tweak a couple things, but uh, uh, Carol and I decided that pedestal sinks look nice when we did our house and our bathrooms, but there's no place to put stuff, so she wanted to go back to vanities, so we bought the vanities, and they've been sitting in our house for six months. So guess what I did yesterday? I installed a vanity and new sink. Man, that was suffering, I'm telling you. That was suffering. That was painful. You should not allow guys like me to undertake such tasks as that. Okay, so that's not what we're talking about. Even though that is true, there will be those times where we suffer. We face, you know illness, we face uh, economic disaster, all those things happen. And like I said, that could be the providential hand of God. We don't blame him for it, but that's what happens in this broken world. But the suffering that I'm talking about, the, the, the denying here, is taking our cross and saying, as the Apostle Paul did, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it is not me that lives. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's where we say yes to the cross. That's where we say yes to hardship. And we are willing at all costs to say yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Yes, Lord Jesus, no matter what happens in this world. Am I going to fail? Absolutely. You can point to things where I've totally messed up on but my passion, my commitment, my desire. Lord Jesus, I will follow you. I live my life by faith in the one who gave his life for me. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me and follow me, take up your cross and indeed follow me. Second, we need to listen to the heart of God. This fascinates me. Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know what? I realized I was going to look up that word sake. That's an interesting word. But I want to suggest to you this morning that it is the very heart of God. Whoever delights in, whoever sets as their priority my purposes, my goals, my delights, Whoever invests their life in me, in the very heart of God, that is the person who will find his life. This is an eternal principle of God. Fascinating. That if we try to save our lives, God promises we'll lose it. If we are willing to give it up, And say yes to Jesus. He promises that we will find it. You know what? It's not rocket science. It's rather simple. The challenge is, as I've already mentioned a couple of times, it is so hard for us to do it. That's why we need the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. We need the Spirit of God to break us down and say, not my will. But Lord Jesus, your will be done. We need to say yes to the heart of God. Third, we need to say yes to the the heavenly life or the eternal life or the forever life. Not just this world, not just this earth, but that which God has for us, which is far, far better. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You'll remember the... the, uh, Gospels talk about Jesus' story, about the the farmer who says, Man, I've got more corn and beans and hogs and cows than I know what to do with. Look at me, how important I am. Is this not amazing, how good I am? You know what? I've got to tear down those silos. I've got to tear down that barn. And, you know, you drive around central Iowa, and that's kind of... I'm not saying people have this attitude. I say, I'm always amazed at these You know, bigger and bigger and gigantic, ginormous storage things. I mean, used to be, I don't know, back in the 100 years ago, they built these big old silos, and those are amazing. You know, when you drive through Iowa, you know, uh, when you go to New York City, you look for the Statue of Liberty and the Freedom Tower. When you drive through Iowa, you look for the water tower and the church steeple and the the, uh, co-op building. That's the Iowa skyline, and it's beautiful. I love it. But now, you know, they're not just building them tall. They're building massive, I mean, football fields worth of, of stuff. Anyway, I got sidetracked on that. Um, so anyway, the, uh, the farmer said, look at me. I am rich. And he tears it all down. And he builds bigger. And that night, God comes to him and says, you're a fool. Your life's over tonight. And Jesus said, what will it benefit a person, if they gain the whole world, everything this life has to offer, and they miss eternity, we must say yes to the heavenly life. That is the greatest invitation I could offer to you that we could ever hear. And then fourth, we need to say yes to hope. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Just one more story that, uh, that I've, been, I've been working on. Um, I told you that I could be pessimistic. I also tell you I could be cynical and I have to remember to, to be thankful. And wasn't it so good to take the bread and drink the cup and say thank you, Lord Jesus? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I could almost speak in tongues at that point. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But you know, it, 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 I mean, there are just not adequate words to express how, how grateful we are for the wonderful, marvelous gift of Jesus. Some of you saying, I am charismatic. What's the problem? So, anyway, you talk to me about that later. Um, there's hope. So, What I'm saying to you is I've been uh, reminded by the Spirit of God I've got to work on my patience because I told you we live in an evil world and there are lots of people who are stuck on evil. And fortunately, the gospel message here is to change hearts. But you know what what, uh, the Spirit of God has been reminding me of lately? One day, one day God is going to set everything right we will see and experience justice. It's the same thing as what I said at the beginning, though. I want you to hear this. That if Jesus would have established his kingdom there when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, we wouldn't have been qualified to be a part of it. We would have missed out because we were lost in our sins and we are alienated from God. I am so glad that God is so patient and offering us the gift of life so that when that someday comes, I won't miss out. But God will set everything right and it will be a glorious world. Our Lord Jesus will rule and reign in righteousness. In the meantime, let's help lots of people invite Jesus and become a part of that glorious world kingdom to come. That's where we need to say yes. So the invitation is simple this morning. I was thinking of a favorite psalm of mine. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name, to make that commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's the first time to say, as Dave said, maybe there's somebody here you're exploring this whole idea of Jesus and what it means to follow him. Maybe I could encourage you as the Spirit of God works in your heart that you would say, you know what? That's starting to make sense. I understand why this world is so messed up and I believe there is a better answer. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Or whether there are those of us who we've been following Jesus for a short time or a long time You know what, Dave? I have to apologize. I forgot the transformation slide. But anyway, that's what you're talking about here, the transformation, that journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. And we say yes to the cross. Lord Jesus, today, I am going to walk the way of the cross. Not my own way, but the way of the cross. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians this way, that depends on faith, and here it is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that I may attain resurrection life. Amen.